0: Welcome back Marie. Welcome back Jodie. New school year about to start. How are you feeling?
1: Oh I've had a lovely summer. What about you? Yeah it's been great and I got some really good results at the GCSEs (sighs) which is really pleasing. Same. One of
0: my favourite students got a seven. I know we're not supposed to have favourites but I so do and I'm so proud of her. That is amazing. That is an amazing grade. Mine all got sixes which was brilliant. Brilliant. I finally moved into my new house as well. (laughs) <laughs> I'm so pleased for you, Jody. It's been quite a difficult process, hasn't it? It's been a journey since it was way back in January, wasn't it, mm, that this started. Mm. As our regular listeners will know. Um so, of yeah, course. nice to finally be in.
1: Well done. Congratulations. It's your own time you're wasting. Ramblings from Beyond the Classroom with Marie and Jodie. This week we're doing things a little bit differently Mm. because we're interviewing ourselves. Yeah. Our topic is what it means to be dyslexic. Go on, I'll hand over to you, Jodie. So as I've mentioned before, I am
0: dyslexic. I was actually diagnosed as dyslexic when I was 20 years old. So I, well, I was a dyslexic school student, but I was an undiagnosed dyslexic Mm -hmm. school student um but yeah I was dyslexic as a teacher because it doesn't go away how did you feel though at 20 to be diagnosed with something like that um I went to the SEN department when I was 16 so I was in lower sixth um and said oh like my friend had been doing dyslexia in psychology I think and I've been reading her stuff and I was like oh this this is me this sounds Mm. like me so I went to SEN I was like look I've been reading my friend's stuff Mm. and it's me and they were like oh what did you get in your GCSE English and I was like I got an A and a B they're like you're not dyslexic end of discussion um so that was interesting Mm. then yeah I went to uni and in my third year they offered a history of maths course which our regular listeners will know is my favorite thing because I wanted to take it and I've loved it ever since but I was really really conscious that it was so essay-based and included a timed Mm -hmm. essay uh, and I when I'd done my A-levels I did do film studies right. A-level and I realized in my coursework I could get really good marks but in my timed essays I just wasn't I couldn't work out why so I was quite nervous about it mm. came up to this idea that I might be dyslexic went to the team had a chat and got diagnosed I thought I was mildly dyslexic it turns out I'm moderately dyslexic moder- moderate to severe dyslexia um, and the educational right. psychologist that I saw had never seen such a big difference between my processing ability and my kind of pattern spotting ability um which obviously Mm. being a mathematician I'm quite good at spotting patterns right um but that pattern spotting ability is really high yeah um and had been masking a lot of my symptoms um so to be honest it was a bit of a relief for someone to Mm -hmm. be like yes no this is something um but also I think my whole family my mum included was like a bit shocked as to how bad it was um if that makes sense so they do it as percentiles and I think for one of them I was in like the ninth percentile for how bad it was and then in the other another one I was in the 25th percentile like up. and then for some of the kind of mathsy stuff I was in the 95th you know that difference was just insane so were you aware though going
1: through school that you were different in some way that um, things didn't work for you like they seem to work for other people.
0: Yeah, but people put it down to me being a maths person, not an English person, mm. which is true, but it's just oversimplified. Yeah, very because much. Because actually, so. I'm very eloquent. Um, not to kind of blow my own trumpet. Oh, you are. Um, but I can write well. I just can't. I wrote something recently for Twinkle, and I spelt parallel seven different ways, which is mm. quite impressive. Yeah. Um, some of them were just um like. I read it through and, yeah, didn't notice any of mm-hmm. them because mm. they all had the right letters. Yeah, um, But, yeah, kind of. So I kind of realised I was I was different, um, but I just thought it was because I wasn't very good at English, which actually isn't the case. Isn't true. And mm-hmm. I know that sounds stupid, having said I got an A and a B, but the school that I went to, a B was considered mediocre, if not bad, yeah. because everyone got A stars and A's.
1: Right.
0: So, yeah, I just thought I was a bit less intelligent than others which is just not true
1: that's do you feel like you've overcome that feeling now though now that you know
0: yeah and actually it's something that being a teacher massively changed because Mm -hmm. kind of and I've talked about it a lot with people who went to the same school as me my friends and also you know some of the rowers that from my school because everyone's getting as it was a stars and a's and now seven eight nine Mm. you feel like a c is not good enough yeah and that's just categorically wrong. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it gave me this massive inferiority complex.
1: Mm. Yeah, I can imagine. So how does your dyslexia affect you in everyday life, Jodie? Um, I am a big scatterbrain.
0: brain. I think part of the thing of being diagnosed a bit later is I... Got better coping mechanisms. Mm. Um, so things like I always put stuff that I can't lose in the same place.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and I've kind of always done that. I am very meticulous about putting things in my calendar because if mm-hmm. it's not on my calendar, it's not helping. It's just not happening.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and my friends and stuff are helpful with that. So they'll be like, "Have you put this date in your calendar, Jodie? Because you will forget otherwise."
1: Yeah.
0: Um and so that's just you know it's just life um but yeah so I think it just made I have to force myself to be organized Mm. um and if I'm disorganized it just comes naturally and that as a teacher was a massive has been a massive struggle because Mm. um just like there's so much going on and so much in your head yeah yeah. actually keeping on top of it and marking books oh my gosh like that was one of the first things I realised that I was different from my fellow teachers. Right. Because someone had been teaching a couple of years longer than me, but started marking a set of books and was done within about 30 to 45 minutes. Right. Um, and I had done about six books. I wasn't halfway done. Ah, and it right. took me four hours to, easily to mark a set of books.
1: I see. And so, so if you what, think- what was the difference? In terms just, of processing between what was happening for you and what was happening for them. I just
0: couldn't skim read it. I couldn't, right. like... And the schools that I was in made lots of kind of uh, adaptations, so they accepted that my books weren't going to be marked for SPAG. And, yeah. And, okay, that's a bit of a loss for the students, but it's one subject at the end of the day. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um, and so that was fine, and the kids all knew. I was very open about the fact that I was mm. dyslexic with the kids, and they all knew... Um, and There was some times where I really struggled with particular handwriting that, like, I had people I could go to and be like, I actually have no idea what this kid has written. Um, and all that was very open and fine, mm. but um, yeah, it just it was just slower. And it's mm. kind of you make reasonable adjustments, but it's still important that the kid's work is marked, well.
1: of course. Yeah.
0: Um, and yeah, I just couldn't, I don't genuinely don't know how. How my colleagues did it so quick Mm. because it wasn't like they were doing a bad job. If anything, they were doing a better job than me, despite the fact that it took me three or four times longer. Yeah. Um, But I just couldn't,
1: just couldn't get my head around it. Absolutely. What what would you say, Jodie, were the advantages of being a teacher who is dyslexic? Um, I loved how students reacted Mm. um, because
0: the students would be so kind of like, So the dyslexic students would be so excited that there was someone there in the adult world who was also dyslexic. And I'd kind of were quite open about how it happened, how kind of I got diagnosed and stuff and what my coping mechanisms were. So Mm. one of the things I'd always have at the beginning of the class, I struggle with black ink against white.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: And so I'd say, if you can, write in blue. Here's a bunch of blue pens if you don't have one. If that's then going to affect your dyslexia, don't do it. Yeah. But could you please write in blue? And they would all be like super happy for that. I was really, it used to drive other teachers insane, completely flexible about what colours they wrote in, as long as I could read it. Yeah. Um, so one of them liked to write in purple, which for me is the easiest thing to read. Right. And I was like, yeah, go for it. Um yeah. And they were quite kind of like but they were interested as to how adaptations were made in the workplace. Yeah. And things like because obviously a lot of things I remember one student who really struggled with public speaking because they're dyslexic and would trip over their words. Yeah. Um, And they were like, well, how do you do it? And I was like, well, I do trip over my words if I'm public speaking, Mm. but, like, if I'm giving a speech. But if I'm just talking, I don't. Yeah. And teaching is just talking. I don't write a script. Yeah. So I can read aloud. I can't read aloud, but I can memorize stuff quite quickly so kind of right you know so it's finding ways around and I don't give assemblies and I don't do this because I'd find it really difficult and I never Mm. take minutes because everyone would still be there while I was slowly writing it down (laughs) um it'd be like twice as long as any other meeting nobody wants that um so yeah I think I really loved what the kids gave me and what the Mm. students gave me of this kind of like I felt like I left them with an impression that actually this is something you're going to have for life and you need to find ways to adapt but also they would I'd see them doing things I'd be like oh why'd you do that and actually that gave me some kind of tools Mm. and tricks to make my life a little bit easier as well
1: yeah yeah it's your own time you're wasting so why not stick the kettle on put your feet up and have a cuppa ah
0: No, Maria, our listeners might not know that you used to be a SENCO. Um mm-hmm. Kind of given my story of what did you get in your English GCSE, is that
1: different now? I hope so. Um, I think there's a lot more awareness now generally mm. that um, pupils can come in with specific learning difficulties yeah. and teachers generally spot them much, much quicker. Mm. But people still fall through the gaps. Yeah. Um, and what I found... With any special need, really, whatever it was, you can read all the books you like and you can do all the studying you like. You will never meet that person who's the typical dyslexic yeah. or whatever it might be. Absolutely. Um, so, I think for teachers, the most useful thing is to find out the specifics mm-hmm. that that pupil um, either has strengths in or maybe needs to work on and yeah. then work with that because you can't go oh you're dyslexic so if we give you a yellow overlay mm-hmm. you'll be fine it doesn't work like that at all um but although adaptive technology is absolutely amazing now yeah i mean you can yeah. you can dictate things and it will write it for you and and in mm-hmm. the old days if you had an accent of any kind especially a northern accent the dictation just wouldn't understand what you're saying yeah. Yeah. but that that's come on a long a long <laughs> way from then yeah. um so I think there's a lot more opportunities for people with dyslexia and other specific learning difficulties to keep absolutely on the same at the same pace mm. as their peers now because there's a lot more awareness, there's a lot more technology, um, but you never, ever get that, oh, he's a typical dyslexic or whatever. No. You've got to work with the individual, find out what mm. their needs are and just do that. So in some ways for me as a SENCO, a diagnosis didn't matter because I was always just assessing what I saw in the classroom yeah. and finding ways to help that pupil overcome yeah. the barriers um, because that just seemed what what was logical to me.
0: I think and as well there's a lot more awareness of well kind of neurodiversity in general isn't yeah. there
1: because
0: yeah. um, some people including myself consider dyslexia a type of neurodiversity. Mm, yeah. Um, other people are really opposed to that and I think you know it kind of just depends what's right for you mm. as a person but once you kind of get one neurodiversity diagnosis quite often you get a bunch you know
1: yes kind of, like yeah
0: everyone knows that autism and adhd quite often go hand in hand yeah but, so mm-hmm. to dyslexia and adhd or dyslexia and autism yeah. and you know kind of having that awareness that okay yes they've got this but they might also have this and that's right all this other stuff yeah
1: yeah Yeah. I mean my dad was diagnosed as dyslexic when he was 60 oh wow and he got a co-diagnosis of dyspraxia with that as Mm. well um and and weirdly he he just managed all his life to get other people to do things for him (laughs) so in his working life you know he worked in a team and he said I couldn't have done it if I didn't have my team around me who knew what my strengths were, they knew what I couldn't do, and we all supported each other. So he was lucky in that sense. I do think there may be a lot of older people out there with um, issues about their self-esteem, you know, feeling low about Mm. their self-esteem, feeling that they're failures who are undiagnosed, basically.
0: And I think the thing is, I like having a diagnosis because it's a shorthand, Mm. Um, but actually it's so much more nuanced than that and mm. kind of until you get to know me you won't know what is easy for me what's hard for me but it's yeah. a good shorthand but like you know it's so much more complexity than just yeah I'm dyslexic like, but it's an easy way when I start a new job to be like I'm just like this yes this is exactly. what I need yeah um, and most people are absolutely supportive of mm. course they would be but yeah it's kind of like It's not as simple as dyslexia means you can't read good or whatever. Yeah, Um, exactly.
1: Or you you write your letters
0: backwards. Exactly. And Um, it's the same the other
1: way around. Just Mm. because someone's struggling with reading or they're writing their letters backwards doesn't mean they're dyslexic either
0: yeah absolutely and if you look at me and my brother I learned to read when I was like four I think mm. four or five it was before I went to school my brother didn't learn to read till kind of seven or eight and didn't read to ple- oh. for pleasure until Harry Potter came out actually interesting um, and then but I mean I do suspect my brother's dyslexic but actually I'm the one that's been diagnosed despite the fact that I was a very I was a good reader mm. you know and I kind of plateaued at about 13 and yeah. I like reading books for young adults because
1: yeah.
0: if nothing else, they're not depressing. <laughs> um, but like, and I reread books a lot, which is something that I didn't realise was a sign of my dyslexia. It's really great superpower, to be fair, because I can reread a book and be like, oh, I've never read this before because <laughs> I'll have just missed bits out. Ah, but yeah.
1: right. So you could read a murder mystery and, and mm. not know who, who done Absolutely, it. Absolutely, yeah. It's yeah. great superpower. <laughs> So I think that there is a danger, particularly in schools, Mm. of always using a deficit model when somebody has a specific learning difficulty. And actually, um, with every single neurodiversity, there are advantages Mm. and there are things you can do that other people wouldn't be able to do. So
0: someone someone told me not that long ago that one of the things for dyslexic people is they can see in 3D, they can imagine in three dimensions. And that's why they flip P's and D's and B's and Q's. I didn't realise other people didn't picture things in 3d yes like, i just so kind of and they made me do this test that was like oh picture a car now turn the car over and stuff and i was like mm. that why would you not imagine in 3d yeah because yeah. like but i was looking at these set changes for a show that i'm doing um which requires all these door movements because it's mm. like a it's our house so it's like a split plot right thing um and there was four of us sitting around this table, and the other three were like, "I just can't imagine this working." And I was like, "No, because mm. I can just picture it all in my head, yeah, yeah. and that's a massive advantage, and it lets Absolutely. me be so creative and so and think in so many different ways." Kind of my brain. I very much visualize my brain as partitioned and this bit the kind of front left bit will be thinking about what I'm having for tea while the front right bit is thinking about the set changes while the back bit is thinking about what I'm gonna wear Mm -hmm. whatever you know all these different bits will be firing off I realize I'm describing someone that's got ADHD as well by the way I am (laughs) fully aware of that um but yeah like so for me a massive advantage is just the way that my imagination and my brain works is so cool. Mm.
1: It is cool and I do think in schools we there is room mm. for discussing how we all perceive the world because Absolutely. how can you know that other people perceive it differently from you? Yeah. Because you're never going to be in anybody else's mind. Exactly. And I've got a thing called synesthesia which means mm. that I see sound and I see smells. and for many many years I thought that was completely normal Mm. and that everybody saw the world like that and Mm -hmm. now I find out actually no they really don't so you know I think we could explore that more in schools Mm. and I think it would be really really helpful in terms of finding out what people are really good at and then working towards that using that strength
0: and for me, it's all about finding, you know, for the things that are less positive, because obviously there are things that make it good Of course, find a coping mechanism mm. and talk openly about them, because the amount of things, you know, I have coping mechanisms that have helped my mom and my brother, and you know, loads of people in my family that aren't diagnosed as dyslexic, yeah, yeah. but perhaps have some traits, mm. um, you know, kind of
1: it's helped them be yeah exactly more functional as you adults, know i think you know. a dyslexia friendly school is just a pupil friendly school really exactly absolutely it's your own time you're wasting ramblings from beyond the classroom with marie and Jodie. there's not a lot they don't know about teaching
0: I have absolutely loved recording this episode it's one we've talked about for a long time isn't it right when we started this podcast we were like this is what we
1: want yeah Um, so interesting
0: yeah so thank you thank you for interviewing me
1: (laughs) (laughs) you're welcome Jodie nice nice to have you as a guest
0: (laughs) um if anyone does have any questions about being a dyslexic teacher or anything like that get in touch via any of our social media platforms or you can email us at beyondmailbag at twinkle.co.uk um, i'll happily answer any questions or if you're kind of struggling at work just get in touch and i can mm. i'm by no means an expert but um i can talk about my own personal experiences
1: yeah and i think that's important Jodie through you mm. being open about it i think that allows other people to feel they can talk about it Absolutely. as well Absolutely. and if you take one
0: thing away from this episode i think it has to be what marie said a dyslexia friendly school is a pupil friendly
1: school <laughs> <laughs> So, thank you, you so much for joining us. And thank um, you, our listeners. Yes, yes. We'll
0: see you again in two weeks. Don't forget to like and subscribe in the meantime.
1: Bye. Bye. This podcast is proudly produced by Beyond. Please bear in mind the views and opinions expressed are those of individuals and may not represent those of Beyond or Twinkle.